Hello, I'm Nico Rosberg. If this show stops at any point, please check your audio player for foreign substances, by which I mean a piece of chewing gum jammed into the mechanism by Lewis Hamilton. Hello, welcome to On Speed. I'm Gareth Jones, he's Richard Porter, he's Zog, and is that the fastest ever opening to the show? It's so fast, you've completely caught us out. <laughs> we were supposed to say hello or something. But... Hello. Hello, guys. This weekend, not only have we got Suzuka, but we've got the Paris Motor Show just out of reach, just a 45-minute train journey away, and we didn't go. What, Suzuka to Paris? 45 minutes? You what got... kind of what mad monorail have you got? Sorry, I was in the future then, I wasn't see. I? No, yeah. Actually, how long is it? Two hours to Paris, isn't it? Mm. Should be 45 minutes. This is the 21st century. I remember the last time I went to Paris for the motor show in fact I drove and almost instantly regretted it because in my head once you get off the tunnel train well, you're on the Paris Calais yeah, well. you're sort of <laughs> well you're there I don't know why I thought that Calais <laughs> miles away uh, yeah. and that bit of France between Calais and the outskirts of Paris it's full of immigrants you're going to drive through them <laughs> I wish there had been some kind of attempt to get onto the chassis of my car because <laughs> it was otherwise it was really boring it's just very flat yeah, and yeah. the roads very empty and I was sticking to the speed limit because I know that the gendarmes stop you and want an on-the-spot fine, and if you don't have the money on you, they will frog march you to a cash machine. You can't now, say it. You can't, you can't say it. You mean it like that. You I can't meant, say I it. I meant it in I've, the I've, actual I've sense of that word. I've witnessed this happening. I, I, have I, you? I yes. give no more details. This oh, correct. Okay. Yes. 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 Neither can I. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 We, and, we both um, this Yes. So, yeah, and I didn't have any cash on me. Eventually, I was so bored, I stopped at Motor Services, got a load of cash out of the machine, and then ragged it the rest of the way, because I just thought, I'd rather be stopped... Or and yeah. take my chances that I won't be, which I wasn't, and just get there. And then got into Paris, and it sort of took like two hours to mm. do two miles across the city because the traffic is terrible. Yeah. So yeah. my advice: yeah. always get the Eurostar if you happen mm. to be travelling from London mm. to Paris. We were there two years ago. At the oh, same the train time. services are available. Wait, actually, no, they're not. No, from Paris. Not. No, no, no. no. Well, there are. And don't fly because flying the plane actually does a sort of big pyramid. It just goes <laughs> up to its cruising height and then drops yeah, straight so back down again. Spends about two minutes there and then starts yes. descending. You could throw the Paris plane at Paris from Heathrow. Anyway, where were we? If you were uh, well, somewhere between London and Paris, I think. Yeah. But, but we didn't go this year because you, Roy, you made a gag about this on Perpetual rather brilliantly, I thought. Do we really need to go to motor shows anymore because it all happens online beforehand? A bit like Hyundai. Have read about this this week? Hyundai have launched online buy your Hyundai service yeah no, they're going really? to have a shop what, they've front. got one of those configurator things online yeah. is that yeah. what they're doing and right. you'll have your car Good for them. but they're also going to have a physical world presence at some big shopping centre so you go there you look but you don't buy it you go and buy it online it's rather like the Curry's model <laughs> yeah well it's like it's like the way people buy everything now isn't yeah, it? Yeah. you go to a shop you have a little look at it mm. and then you go home and order it off Amazon mm. or similar yeah mm. so why not the analogy here sense. is the motor show you don't even need to go to the motor show just do it all online but there are some fantastic cars you mentioned that Ford are having a bit of a blitz do Ford have a blitz or do VW have a blitz best not to go there I think, yeah, I think Ford are already, announcing uh, well this is the problem you see they've already announced we can tell you all about these cars because mm. they've already released full details and pictures which is one reason why it seems like certainly as a member of the press going to a motor show 
is really just an excuse to go on a bit of a sort of long walk mm. around a distant exhibition centre and get achy feet and then go to a hotel and get drunk with some people that you... And in all seriousness... <laughs> I'm speaking you know, purely as a, as a, things yeah, like a freeloader. A motor show, my perception is that it's increasingly more focused on being industry events, which there always have been, than something that reaches out a bit to the general public, I think. Well, yeah, but you've got to remember, because you see all this big hurrah about the motor show, and Press Day for Paris will last for a couple of days, and it'll be in all of the car media. It'll probably even make some of the national papers for mm. some of the cars that are on display. It's very easy to forget that show then goes on for two weeks afterwards as a public yeah. event. Mm. There are probably lots of people in Paris and the surrounding area who will go to the show because they're thinking maybe of buying a new car, and they want to go and sit in a load of things as a one-stop shop. Yeah. But, truth be told, motor well, shows are really, really busy a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, and you just want to sit in stuff you'd yeah. never normally get to sit in. Mm. But now that a lot of car showrooms are on strips where there's all the different makes next to each other, mm-hmm. you could spend an afternoon doing that if you just had an idle Thursday. And you wouldn't have to wait to go and sit in all the tasty stuff. You just put on a reasonably smart pair of shoes and you could probably even oh, get to sit in an Aston yeah. or something like that. <laughs> so I don't know whether it has that much value for the public. I suppose yeah, exactly. it probably does. But yeah, for certainly yeah. for journalists and for the press, it sort of feels like there's no big surprise. You're not going there to suddenly file copy. I think there's two things that mm. journalists still do and the reason they go to motor shows is to go and interview senior people because yeah. yeah. they're all there sure. but face to face with people a PR bloke from a big car company I was talking to on Twitter this week and he said that if you look at the crowds around the press conferences at motor shows it's all the senior management from other car companies mm-hmm. Like mm. even a lot of the journalists can't even be bothered because also the press conferences overlap. It's a nightmare. You can't possibly be at all of them. Yeah, and it's what like you're doing, Glastonbury, isn't it? In it's risk. yeah, you <laughs> have to make a schedule. Well, they do. The grown-ups, proper journalists who do this right, they make a schedule of where they've got to go, where yeah, they've got to speak to people. To. But also because it's ridiculous going through the motions, you'll see the chief executive of the company will come up and he'll give a big preamble. They're usually using words like premium and expansion and at all. You could just yeah. write it yourself. And then he'll pull the covers <laughs> off a car you've already seen pictures of three weeks ago. And it just feels like everyone's going through the motions. Something's got to change, because it is all rather ridiculous in a way. And it's very expensive to put on the kind of show at those shows that the big manufacturers do. Yeah. It's it's not uh, not not cheap cheap at all. No. So anyway, people indulging in not cheapness this week does involve Ford as well. So Mm. Ford is showing off for the first time in public the new S-Max. Hang on, hang on. Yep. Oh, Mm. That's one person who's excited about it. Yes. No, no, I know you, and it is. To, you know, to be fair, it's a, it's a shout out to have a new one. It is a is pretty it? good vehicle. I, I think mean, it's, yeah, it's not exciting, but it, it works. I can see what they've done. They've tried to make it just look like an evolution of the old one because the old one was very successful for them. Mm. So they don't want to throw away that. Mm. But. I don't find it a particularly interesting or exciting. Well, in a way that when, oh, remember when the original one sure, came out, you sort absolutely. of went, ooh, kind of low-slung people yeah, carrier. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Let's see how this works out for them. Worked out very well. And they were drawing customers from BMW and Merck and all sorts. It was the first mm. Ford that really sort of punched above its weight. I think they were selling something like 75% of them were top spec. Yeah. Because they were pulling in people who got more money than the car cost. Yeah. Mm. And that's quite unusual. Yeah, Ford were getting, what do they call a, a new um, a new customer? It's a word, isn't it? For Acquisition. Um, possibly, that would do. That would, uh, Alan. Uh, they sometimes call a new customer Alan. Alan. If, if his name is Alan, they yeah. would call him that. Yeah, that would work, yeah. That's good customer service. Yeah, the, the S-Max up, pulled in, uh, I, oh, I almost had the um, new territory. No, no, what's the word? It'll come to me in a minute. There's a great word for it. But they pulled in new customers from other brands who are buying stuff like BMWs. And the, Conquest, is that what you're Conquest, thinking Conquest, that'll do. Sale, that's yes. it. Yeah, Conquest sales. Well done, the S-Max for doing that and what I was interested in is that the new S-Max is going to be available for the first time 
with a four-wheel drive option. Mm -hmm. Hooray for that. Not that any of us need four-wheel drive most of the time. This is something I'm curious about. Have you noticed how many BMWs, now they've started selling a four-wheel drive option on the 3 Series, particularly over here, Yeah. and you just get a little badge on the bootlid on the left that says X-Drive. Have you noticed how many of those you see around? I'm talking about in London. Mm. What are these people doing? It would make sense if if you had a range of cars which are front-wheel drive and they were diesel and they produced so much torque that the front-wheel drive version was virtually undrivable. And so the only way they could make it work was by having a four-wheel drive version. But BMW, who are all bloody rear-wheel drive, apart from the new active... Not Tora. Yes. Active yogurt, yes. <laughs> I don't see the sense in No, that. I don't. I, 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 I'm yeah. curious about this. Anyway, we but digress. The, but the S Max being four wheel drive, I think, is really good. I think that'll do some conquest sales from people who would have gone for a four by four. But I hope they're going to use it in a sort of a quattro esque kind of way, just to get the power down, just to make it a driver's car that the S Max I mean, is uh, supposed to be, mm-hmm. aspires to be. Well, how can you make that kind of vehicle a driver's vehicle? I, I just. By making it I better to drive than the equivalent of the car. In that category, I think it's rather like making the KN. It's an exercise you shouldn't bother with. Well, you know, if you've yeah. got, I, I don't think you know, if you've got a family and you have to drive them round in that car, and you do that a lot of the time, you're not going to drive it like a driver's car. You're just going to use it as a slow, gentle, soft, same mm. thing. But if there are occasions when you and your mate are off to Le Mans or you're doing a business trip or you're going to collect grandma from the other side of the country, you want to be able to get some satisfaction out of driving it. So and buy a cheap sports appeal. car. But then you can't own two cars. The idea is to have one and it's a Ford. But then it has to compromise between these different things and that mm. offends the purist in me. Compromise is the devil talking. Kevin Rowland, 1985. I stand by my defense of purity in design. Oh, yeah, yeah I, 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 I kind yeah, of agree with you, Zog. I think <laughs> a big, big practical car that tries to be sporty, it's always going to be compromised. Yes. What's the point? It'd be much better if it was comfortable in its own skin mm. as just quite comfortable, quite easy to drive. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. What the old S-Max did was it was pleasant to drive I would never in a million years call it sporty but it did that thing that modern Fords do where the steering was well weighted and well yep. geared and the gear shift was slick and it had a good chassis on it you were pleasantly surprised by it yeah. when you got in and drove it any more sporty would just be idiotic I think it's going to be business as usual there with yeah. the S-Max yeah. the other thing I think will be at Paris is finally 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 the actual version you can buy of the new Mondeo yeah. which has been coming for three years yes. now has been on sale in the US for three years yeah. I was in the US earlier in the year and they're bloody everywhere Usually the hybrid versions. But it's called why the fusion it over there. I mean, they, they, wow. you know. they have problems with quality control, as I understand. Yeah, I think it's a two pronged problem. The quality control, perhaps. This was developed in the US. You know, all Fords now are developed somewhere, but for the whole world. So the Fiesta and the Focus and stuff are done yeah. in Europe. But the Mondeo was done in the US and perhaps wasn't quite to the liking of the European operation in some ways, because what is necessarily good for the US market isn't quite work here sometimes yeah. the other mm-hmm. problem is that they were going to build it in the Genk factory in Belgium and now that's Did closing down you just down. drop a large block of wood no, I just <laughs> hocked a greenie on your car <laughs> Genk um, and now it's going to be built down in Valencia so they had to do a whole kind of thing yeah. move all the kit down there and you know it, there's no Eurostar that runs through <laughs> yeah. Genk to Valencia so it takes more than two minutes. two and a half hours <laughs> and that slowed things down as well but three years it's a long time yeah, and it's finally ready the version that we can buy now is going to be shown off at the show they've announced prices and everything so it really is going to happen you will be able to buy one quite soon in fact you can buy one now because 
Well, last I checked, there was one on Auto Trader. Really? Well, How, yeah. What? Because, Are you getting a left-hand drive one? Yeah. Ah. Well, I was curious about this. Yeah. It's a Ford Fusion, so it's a US one. It's left-hand drive. It's, yeah. And it's a Cat D write-off, so it's some insurance huh. salvage job. Oh, yeah. Presumably it had been nicked, and then they paid out and then found it again. That was a long drive from uh, Dearborn. So what's going on? I thought, well, now, is this either? It's over here. Well, there's two options here. First of all, it's a development car from Ford that's been nicked. But I think they'd want it back so they <laughs> yeah, could yeah. crash it. Yeah, or absolutely. my other theory, military. call me Poirot. Yeah, military yeah. serviceman. It was on a Norfolk plate, so I thought yeah, yeah, that's no, that's a lot of air bases out yeah, in East yeah, Anglia. Yeah, yeah. American serviceman's cars been pinched. Yeah. To double check, over cheap. yeah, exactly. Yeah. They just get shipped over, possibly on a ship. I don't know on a plane. I'm uh, not sure. Do you anyway. know what are the key differences? Are there any real differences between the Fusion and the Mondeo and other well, different factories? I don't, I don't know what's. But they're more the same car than not the same car. That's well, through, isn't it? Yeah, that? they've got to be, otherwise all the economies of scale go out the window, and mm. yeah, it doesn't make any sense, so I'd imagine that they are pretty much the same car. One for Just for avoidance of doubt, I emailed Ford and went, this, Do you know this fusion yeah. is for sale on Auto Trader. is it one of yours that's escaped? And they went, no, it's probably an American serviceman. Uh, and then I said, I'm going to buy it, and then sell the story to Auto Express, I've driven the new Mondeo. <laughs> <laughs> and the PR man replied with, ha ha ha, that would be funny. But I think secretly he was thinking, he wouldn't, would he? No, no, no he's stupid. <laughs> of course he wouldn't. Oh, blimey. The new issue of Auto Express is here. Oh, blooming heck and Mary Poppins. Some Herbert's reviewed the new Mondeo and it ain't even out yet. Right, let's see what they've got to say about it. Steering wheel impossible to reach from the driver's seat. Pedals miles away. Indicator stalk stuck over by the passenger door. For the love of God, he was left-hand drive. Or he was accidentally driving an Alpha. Step petrol! We got a Jones on speed! You know I like a big car. And I'm quite fond of the MPV over the 4x4. I've always held this belief that smaller wheels makes it a much more functional vehicle. You have a lot more space inside. Now, the current Espace is an example. In fact, we can call it the old Espace because you can't even buy it in the UK anymore. Great example of a car with small wheels, big body. But there is a new Espace coming but not to Britain. And it's got really great massive wheels. Richard's got a picture of it here. They're about to announce it at yeah. Paris. And it is a bit of a looker, actually. It's it uh, looks like you know, an S-Max. Yes, yeah. the top bit does. Yeah. But the glass house, the yeah. windows along the side are... Shallow. Shallow. Mm. The body sides are deep. Mm. The wheels look... <laughs> huge sodding enormous tw- I don't know how they've done that so they must be like 22s or no, something no I think they're 20, 70, 40, 50 they're massive those what 20 what are 20, they? it's a new number it's bigger yeah, oh than I anything. see yeah, that, yeah. Oh, gosh yeah. well that is big it's a <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's like a, a puppy with big feet isn't is it? it well all I can say is it's it, a really nice looking car but we you won't get it over but here but they're not selling it in Britain and I just think well now what they've done here because I remember when I was a kid. Friends of my parents had an original Espace. I remember my parents were deeply envious of this because Mm. it was not only sort of rather unusual but very practical as a family car in a way that no other car had been because, you know, it was the first MPV in Europe. But also, it seemed rather posh. 
there was something quite upmarket about it because they were quite expensive, so that automatically made them seem quite upmarket. But yeah. because it was it premium glass nice. fibre, it, yeah, but it was made out of you know the be- <laughs> better stuff than Reliant were using. <laughs> and so it sort of seemed upmarket. And I think the Espace in this country sort of punched above its weight. Renault's not normally seen as upmarket, but the Espace. Was. Agreed, yeah, yeah. But no, well, they're saying, oh, they can't sell this new one here because it wouldn't sell because it'd be too sort of upscale. I'd have it. I mean, have a go. Obviously, the market has constantly evolved. Mm. When the original Espace came out, it had this niche as a sort of middle-class prestige motor, I think. Yeah. And uh, maybe there are too many other offerings in that area now for the Espace to be so competitive in the UK. Yeah. I don't know. That's true, actually. I suppose there's a lot. Back in those days, Merck made three saloon cars. BMW mm-hmm. the same, yeah. and now uh, Mercedes make a hundred and four yeah. different shapes of car. Don't BMW yeah. are getting there as well, and Audi. So if you have got disposable income or the favourable company card deal, you can get one of those, and it's sort of not so novel to have an MPV. When well. I was a lad, the word crossover was a piece of electronics that you had in a speaker to separate the treble from the mid from the bass, and it doesn't Absolutely. mean that anymore. It means a car which has the stance of a 4x4, but not necessarily the equipment. Are all Espaces going to be 4x4, or some of them are going to be front-wheel drive? I, I don't wonder. know that any of them are going to be 4x4. Oh, really? Are they? I, I, oh. I don't know. I was just trying to find out what this thing is based on. Oh, yeah, there we go. Despite the crossover tag, the new Espace is front-wheel drive only. There you go. Car magazine understands. <laughs> so why are they calling it a crossover? Uh, well, crossover is, I suppose, the way it looks, isn't it? It looks a bit like a 4x4, but it has mm. the practicality of an MPV, and they're saying it It'll have an engine like a 1.6 diesel in one version, so it's, mm. you know, it looks like a big car with not a very big engine. But that's yeah. the modern way. There'll be a turbo on there somewhere, hopefully connected to the, <laughs> to the, the engine. manifold. <laughs> and, and generally, <laughs> that, that yeah. sort of thing. If it's just connected to the radiator, it's going to be doing nothing. But I think that's the crossover bit, isn't it? It's just it's mixing all of these desirable bits from different cars, but hopefully with bit fewer of, of the downsides. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a mashup. It I'm, is. It's the cassette boy of cars. I wonder what the French word for crossover is the direct translation of crossover I think it's le crossover le crossover le weekend car oh, because I don't know the real answer anyway it's a hell of a nice looking thing but, but I've just read here as well as usual never knowingly over research but I'm reading while we're speaking and they say it's not even been engineered for right hand drive so I even can't if, believe that even if people are standing at the channel tunnel shouting into it like an enormous megaphone send us the espas <laughs> Renault, you swines it's not going to happen unless you want to sit on the other side of the car all right we've got to mention the new jag the xe now we are very excited about it in britain because all the press in britain are very pro jaguar yeah That's supporting okay. the home team yeah but here's the question is the rest of europe that bothered about this car they've got some incredible target figures for what they're going to sell haven't they I think their target figures are quite realistic 80,000 was it they think they, they're saying <laughs> yes that's right they've gone bananas no those are the kind of numbers that Alfa Romeo are spitting out mm. in, in a sort of slightly idiotic way what are Alfa now Alfa are supposed to be going to sell 400,000 cars by 2018 they currently sell about 75,000 so yeah I mean they're, they're hoping for us to have a massive return bottoms. to form they've got to do a lot to turn yeah. around and um, uh, crucially the new cars that Alfa Romeo will be showing at the Paris event this week none they're still working on the replacement for the 159 which has been out of production now for three years Mm. alpha's car range is two plus the 4c which is so niche and expensive Mm. it doesn't count Mm -hmm. anyway we digress the jag i think they're saying that saloon production will peak at sort of sixty seven thousand a year 
and then there's going to be an estate and yeah. that'll push it. I think they're saying the break-even point is they have to do 90,000 a year in its most successful year, which will be in a couple of years' time. And I don't know, this all sounds reasonable. You're thinking they're selling yeah, like I mean, half a million three series or something like that a year. And Gag have done a good job in recent years of putting out well-engineered, decently thought through and really very good-looking cars. I think mm. they're going in the right direction. So it doesn't seem that crazy that they're going to make those numbers. Having said that, the XJ isn't jumping out of the showroom when you compare it to equivalent Mercedes and BMWs. Why would the I'm really struggling with the names of these cars the XE be any different well I think they're going to push it like crazy they probably need more dealers in more places it's alright in the UK mm. but America's the big one now the XE probably won't set the world on fire over there because it's a little it's too small. compact mm. but uh, a ladies car across Europe and around the world but they've got some fairly serious intentions on that and I think the main thing that differentiates Jaguar now from Jaguar in the past and often British car makers generally is that actually spending proper money where it matters they're also more worryingly is they're spending a lot of money on announcing that car did you see the online launch of the XE well it was a real event no, was, was people died they spent some more money on oh their TV advertising it's been relatively expensive yeah, so yeah. Well, you I think, see, but look you saw that advert with the F-Type that it's good to be bad with those Hollywood yeah, 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 yeah. British stars I, and there was actually their Super Bowl advert which in itself is extremely expensive to place an ad in the middle mm. of the Super Bowl. People look forward to the ads in Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, it's like an American event in itself. Yeah. If you didn't witness the Jag XE launch, they flew a car down the Thames suspended underneath a helicopter. They had this enormous event. Was it at Riverside Studios? Where was it? No, oh, it, it was, was in Earl's Court. Earl's Court? Yeah. Where Slade played shortly before Don Powell and his accents in a bit. Anyway. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> any excuse. But it was like Les Mis or something, wasn't it? There was some great musical story thing going on. It was embarrassing. It was bloody awful. It was like the worst Amdram performance of oh. a thing written by... Oh, you know, Tony is the treasurer of the Amdram group. He's Tony's written a thing. He's yeah, Tony's oh, written no. a thing. It's OK. Oh, we'll all perform it. Oh, it's, it was just woeful. And also, the so hilarious really, thing was... really, really expensive. Yeah. And sh- well, the rumour knocking around the, the car industry is that that event cost them seven and a half million quid. Just wow. that thing. Now, flying the car... <laughs> we could have uh, something really horrible for... What, right, exactly. Yeah. for 60 grand and keep the rest. <laughs> but the trouble is, the car itself, to me, looks very good. It's not mm. dramatically different to an XF. It just looks like a sort of crisper XF. But I can see why they've done that. The segment that it's entering, the 3 Series C-Class Audi A4 world... Mm -hmm. It's quite a conservative one. Mm -hmm. Even when BMW went super avant-garde and the 7 Series became very weird and all those crisp bangle designs, Mm -hmm. if you notice the 3 Series didn't, it was the most conservative of all Mm. of that BMW era because they can't afford to scare people off. Well, and you say it went weird, but it didn't go, for example, as weird as BMW went with the i8. No, well, that's it. They would never make a 3 Series coupe that looked like an i8. Too risky, too polarising. The 3 Series coupe is a very handsome but classically handsome car it's meant to be populist and accessible because they have to sell hundreds of thousands of these and Jag's not aiming for that yet but they want to get there and the only way they can do it is with a stout bedrock of a handsome but not radical car and I think that's what they've got and I Mm. think in the real life it'll probably look perfectly nice 
But I heard people online going, oh, it's a bit boring, isn't it? It's like, well... It's the know, opposite mm, of radical, that much is yeah. certain. It just it's, looks it's, like... It's incremental, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. They're evolving. You don't look at it and go, that's no, horrible. No, you look at it and go, well, oh, that's, a, that's a nice-looking car. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah. Also, it makes sense. You would see it next to an XF and an XJ and even an F-type, mm. and you'd sort of go, OK, there's a family of cars, and they all have that sort of understated well-proportioned look that mm. Jag has sort of got going on. And unlike Aston's, you can actually tell them apart. Yes, quite crucial, that. Yeah. All right, we have 30 seconds each on what I think is possibly the biggest disappointment at this time at the Paris show, and that is the XC90. Now that we've seen the showroom version... Having been shown that lovely concept estate that they did in the coupe, the new Volvo XC90, now that's boring. I was really disappointed. I think inside it's tremendous. I think outside it just looks too familiar. It's lost that air it was promised to have. But it's so often disappointing when you move from the concept to the production versions of cars, particularly when they're new in any way. I mean, to me it seems quite rare that the production version really retains all of the stuff that blew your socks up when you saw well that's the problem isn't it and then car makers get flack and actually going back to Jag that was the thing with the XF when it came out because there was a concept version of that before Mm. which had these very slim headlights and remember the original XF had those weird kind of it looked like each headlight was wearing a monocle and the reason was they couldn't do the thin headlights at that point the technology didn't allow it the concept they could get away with it because it was all just made up but they were so stung by the criticism of that that again I'm going to say the word crossover or le crossover as they say in France and they did that crossover Jag concept which is now going to become reality it's on the same box of bits as the XE I think and it's coming out in next year year after and the concept of that well it looked like a production car it even had normal door handles and apparently they wanted to put the little pop-out F-type door handles on it mm. but somebody went no, no 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 because if we do that we can't do it in the production car and people will have a go at us for promising something we couldn't deliver in production so they're neurotic about over-promising with concepts. And I think the problem with Volvo is that well, the, the concepts were coupes, weren't they? You're never mm-hmm. going to make a 4x4 that's a coupe. And I think that XC90 is a really intelligent car because if you look at the amount of window to the amount of door, mm-hmm. it's a very glassy car. It is. And it's a family car, and kids want to see out. Look at the number of modern cars where the back door line and the rear window kicks up, yeah, all the and time, the kids yeah. get claustrophobia in the mm-hmm. back. Now, Volvo mm-hmm. are too smart to do something silly like that, and there you go, you've got your XC90. Never going to be exciting, but I think it's a handsome thing. I reserve the right to completely and utterly change my mind when I see it in the flesh and as I'm not going to Paris that's not going to be for a little while I just wanted it to be so much more avant-garde than it actually was sorry Dad? Yes Max? For my 17th birthday I want an iPhone What? But the other week you asked for driving a Formula One car. Yeah, well, now I want an iPhone. Well, you can't have one. I've already got you driving a Formula One car. Don't want it. You'll have it and you'll enjoy it. Not fair. I don't work all the hours in the day at my world of gravel for you to change your mind. Discussion over. Fine. I drive the stupid F1 car, but I'm not hitting any apexes. I never said you had to. There's a new sexy Mercedes at Paris. And I'm really down on a lot of cars today, but I have to say, I quite like 
the Mercedes-Benz AMG GT. No, 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 no. No, what are they calling it? They are it? calling it, this is officially what it's called, the Mercedes-AMG GT. No Benz. No Benz? If you were Mr. Benz and you weren't dead, you'd be going, hang on. What's going My on My name's the only bit of that that's real. The Mercedes bit, that importer gentleman pulled that out of thin air from his daughter or whatever amg they're fly-by-night newcomers how dare you get rid of the bends but they have it's just called mercedes car. amg gt Poor car. next week a seance to speak with mr bends yeah. well yeah get him on the phone yeah. or on the really on the, get him on the ouija <laughs> they're <laughs> dropping the bends from this car are they going to roll yeah. that across no no, no 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 this is just a thing what they're trying to do is say that this is an amg car right. because it was developed mm. by amg yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. mercedes amg roll yeah okay yeah. i like okay. the look of it i think it's tidy enough i don't think it's as dramatic and as wonderful as the lovely SLS which I've got a soft spot for yes but it's beautifully refined the way they've subtly evolved some of the curves and the way things are rounded off in it I think it's it's nice yeah I mean obviously I'm only looking at the press pictures I haven't Mm. seen it in the flesh but I think yeah that's a real looker I think so I think it's classically beautiful quite rounded what car designers call rounded forms it's just a pretty little thing because it's an SLS underneath shortened but shortened so it's just, I don't know, the proportions are terrific. Yeah, and there are a lot of classical styling elements in there and parts of how you expect that, uh, I was going to say it bends, <laughs> how you expect that AMG to look. Yeah. You've got to move things forward. Making something that beautiful is just not easy. Mm, you know? It's not, uh, but the best people make it look easy. Yeah. That car sort of looks very natural. The front end's a bit going on there, but generally I think it's quite simple and elegant, and it's mm, nice. No yeah, gullwing doors? Well, I mean, the gullwing doors, yes, no. They're a good novelty act, but if you actually own the car, I don't know, I quite like just getting in and out through a normal door. It's a nice bit of theatre, but sometimes I'd you like to live with, with yeah. I mean, I'd like to try living with gullwing doors for a few months before I decided. I think, but, yeah, uh, I'd, 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 nice. I'd, I'd you know got on very well with them yeah, well. in that particular car. Very happily, I never thought that there were any sort of a hindrance unless you're in a very very low ceilinged NCP car park but, yeah, yeah I mean, but the car's so low isn't it there's probably not yeah. much of a problem in that respect mm. but what's interesting is if you look at Mercedes flagship sports car the SLR the McLaren one mm. was what 300 and something thousand pounds mm-hmm. the SLS was 180 yeah. or thereabouts this GT is 120 for yeah. the S there's going to be a non-S coming as well which will be sort of closer to 100 grand it's mm. like Mercedes flagship is getting cheaper mm. with every generation it's extraordinary mm. and now a competitor for the 911 Turbo I think is the most logical rival on power and price so it'll be interesting to know actually how the sales numbers have gone for those subsequent generations well, if the laws of economics are to be believed that you can draw it on a well, going they, right yeah, up. Yeah, they, they should Who be, knows? but I'm just, I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah. Know, Are they leaving room for some super ultra mega car that will sit way above where the SLS was and where indeed the McLaren SLR was? I wonder. I don't know. I think Mercedes-AMG super mega ultra car has a ring to it. <laughs> you should possibly trademark that it's before they do. Easier to remember than Mercedes don't say Benz AMG. So, I don't know how it's going to work GT. in America as well because people in America don't Drama. refer to a Merc because Mercs are yeah. Mercury. So they always say Benz if they're abbreviating. Mercedes. So, so I I mean, this is just marketing stuff, isn't it? People will say what they say. They'll call it what they feel like. Yeah. Americans always referring to Benz rather than Mercedes. The thing that nailed that fact in my mind was I'd been listening to Sir Mix-a-Lot this afternoon, (laughs) Baby Got Back. (laughs) 
<laughs> and of course that refers to my bends. No what does he rhyme it with? I can't remember. Or does I can't he not? Really, I, um, Boobs. Let me think about that. It's, it's, it's a half <laughs> no, rhyme. No, no, it's <laughs> lower down. Um, uh, <laughs> so do you think, Friends, that would rhyme. Do you think this new Mercedes AMG GT won't be driven by deep sea divers? Because they've got the Benz. Yeah. Um, now, Mercedes are also talking about a new little G-Wagon, aren't they? A baby G-Wagon, the GLB, is Baby G, who did Let Me Be Your Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, marketing issues they may have to address. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a while off, yes. You know, they did that concept last year. Mm, it was gorgeous. And, yeah, it looked all right. Mm, but, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I loved it. Didn't do it for me. Anyway, moving on to further well, up the alphabet, up. but only to M, Mazda. MX-5. MX-5. Or down the alphabet to MX-5. Well, are you excited about the MX-5? I am, Because yeah, uh, you, well, we mentioned it a minute ago, and you, you're like, oh, yeah, this new MX-5. And it's been around for, what, 25 years now? It's been a fabulous, iconic sports car, I think, in that mm-hmm. time. It's not fancy. It's affordable, but it's so well executed. They just did a beautiful job of doing what they set out to do in the first place, to come out with a little Japanese version of your classic British sports car. They just did a beautiful job on it, and they've improved it, and now we've got a new generation coming out. Yeah, of course that's exciting. If ever a car company put all their eggs in one basket... Mm. They took a huge punt on it, because a guy called Bob Hall, who's an American car journalist, actually, but he suggested it to someone at Mazda, Mm. and they went, Paul San, we think you're onto something here. Would you like to come and work with us on making this a reality? And this guy, who was in California, and they did a lot of design there, do you have a Lotus Alana or an MGB? And he sort of brought it along mm. for all the engineers from Mazda came over and... Make one of them that it, actually yeah. works. Yes, yes, exactly. It was basically, yeah. Yeah. you see this oil leaking on make the floor? One, yeah. Now yeah. Make it Don't w- want that. Yeah. Don't write that down. That's not good. Yeah. But do you know what they used to do as well? In the last generation, the new one is the fourth generation. The one that's just going is the third. Yeah. When that was a prototype... Ford and Mazda were all sort of one big happy family mm-hmm. and Richard Parry Jones the boss of Ford Vehicle Dynamics the Welsh boss of Ford well here's the thing so he wanted to make sure he signed off every car he was responsible for on his favourite roads in North Wales so they had to crate up an MX-5 prototype in Japan and fly it to the UK and then have it shipped up to North Wales where Richard Perry Jones has got a house up there sort of sitting by, I can't remember, is it Baller or somewhere he lives? Yeah, yeah. And so they could knock on the door. These Japanese engineers turning up and going, oh, oh, oh Barry jones son, here it is. Would you like to have a go? And he went and had a little drive around and came back and went, yeah, it's all right. And, uh, <laughs> Good job he didn't Fantastic. have a place in San push screen. That would have yeah. really made <laughs> it. <laughs> They'd still be looking <laughs> for it. I was going to so, say, there's one thing about this new MX-5 I think is really interesting, is it's smaller and lighter yes, than the Yes, well old done one. for yeah. that. That's yeah. a breakthrough, isn't it? The first time we've had a new generation of a car that's actually smaller than the last since, I don't know, the Ford car? it's a trend that's growing mm. and it's going to yeah. keep going certainly lightness mm. but also actually shrinking the dimensions just saying well you know we're going to make this as tiny as we can because mm. then it'll feel more nimble mm. and it'll just be more in keeping with the essence of the cars that inspired the original yeah. so that all sounds terrific and the engine I think they've moved the engine even further back so it's sort of behind yeah. the front axle line again very promising yeah, sort of front mid engine front mid engine yeah. but look real they've got a bit of uh, Honda S2000 yeah, is yeah. call it about it very yeah. much absolutely Sort of bottom feeder feel about yep, it, yep. moving away from the original land thing that it sort of borrowed so beautifully. Can you imagine the Lotus? How they must have felt. I know they brought the Elise out and did very well mm. with it, but when they saw someone else doing something that was very much 
their IP to the letter. You could hear the sounds of people kicking their own backsides in Norfolk. Well, well, every well, time well, the letters had deliberately well, moved they, away from that. Yeah, so it's and, their and, own silly fault. Yeah, well, and, yeah. And, and, and also, surely, but one of the reasons that Mazda were able to make such a success of the MX-5 was that they were able to combine having the right design approach and just basically designing the right thing with their manufacturing expertise and the number of factories they've got. Now, Lotus, different deal. Lotus always have to sort of go with the more innovative construction methods that they can make work with much smaller runs, much smaller numbers of cars. The worst irony is that months after the MX-5, the original one came out in sort of late 89, I think, wasn't it? Just a few months later, the 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 Lotus Elan came out. But they had been innovative. They'd gone... Hey, it's 1990. Let's be front-wheel drive. Mm. Let's give it this rather sort of avant-garde, stubby, raft. bonneted thing, yeah, with a raft suspension technology yeah. to minimise torque steer and all this stuff. And, and a you know, Suzu engine. And a Suzu engine, yeah. <laughs> and it pretty much tanks, really. And the MX-5 yeah, well, went too, on to be yeah. a global hit. And you sort yeah. of think, actually, if Lotus had just gone, you know what we're going to do? We're going to just make a retro Elan yeah. for the modern age that's rear-wheel drive and light. Ford, can we have your old Escort platform? We'll make that work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah we'll give it a really raughty little twin-cam engine and we'll clean up. But they didn't. And Actually, Mazda right. did yeah. instead. Right. And history now shows us that Lotus is all cut adrift now. I don't know what they're up to. They're laying off people and mm. talking about doing an SUV. And, uh, but hey, that will be a conversation on another programme for I'm sorry, children, we are out of time and it's now time for little children to go to sleep. So, nighty night, Richard. Good night. Nighty night, Doc. Good night. And nighty night podcast listeners. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>